It is Monday, December 11th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by Jet Home Loans. And now, a guy who could eat some wings. Ravens have wings. J.P. And welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on this Monday, December 11th, the first hour of Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. We are live on location at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach. Fantastic setup for us today and a busy two hours ahead after a Jaguars loss to the Cleveland Browns yesterday, 31-27 the final. The Jaguars are still in the lead in the AFC South. All the other teams chasing them lost yesterday, so they didn't lose any ground. Up next, the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football, the first Jaguars Sunday night appearance since 2008. Oh, yeah, and a really good football team coming in. Keeping it real, as we always do in the second hour, Fanatics fan questions and plenty of time for you to get down to Ponte Vedra Beach to join us in person. We're on Tintin XL, AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube, Hall of Famer Tony Vaselli with us as always. Jags analyst Jeff Lagerman stepping in. It's a home game for both of you guys. And good afternoon, Tony. How are you? Uh, doing good. No uh, PD today. He's uh, traveling. Well, we might have him on the phone in the second hour. Just yeah, no. I mean, I mean, word is he was afraid to come in because, you know, he doesn't like um, dissecting losses very much. Well, I think that he like I think he likes that more than wins. I think oh, actually, I was being totally sar- he I was, does. I was being sarcastic, JP. Of this course. is uh, he was he is very sad that he can't be here with us today because he um, he enjoys pointing out uh, all the problems. Well, uh, logs, there were a lot of problems. That's the issue. They're, now uh, I'll say this: the last two weeks they've lost by a combined seven points. Mm-hmm. However, they've lost, and it just feels a little uneasy. The, well, he's the sky is falling. Is it? <laughs> uh, well, I, I can tell you there's a lot of things not to be happy about, but uh, I think the majority of them are fixable, but challenging to fix, I think, is a good way to put it. That, that's uh, am, I, am I being kind? No, I, I mean, the, the way I would say it is... Because I don't want to come off as being a guy that's just wearing the teal color glasses here. Oh, no, that's no, Tony. No. That's Tony's that's role. My, that's here. my role. That's what this, he does. This, this uh, little shindig we call uh, happy hour. Um the uh, the reality is this: you're not going to do anything, even if you make the playoffs, if you don't play better. And I think some of it is absolutely fixable, and some of it has reared its ugly head because of injuries and you know head scratching things. And we'll go through the you know the missed assignments, the turnovers, everything else. I mean, so this team has to start from ground zero of like let's start the game by not beating ourselves. We're not good enough, and really no team in the NFL is good enough where you beat yourself. And this team, the last two weeks, has beat itself with turnovers, with missed assignments, and just poor play. So you, And that, I think that's what Jeff's talking about. That is that fixable? Absolutely. Those are all fixable things. I mean, if they fix like half of them, they win. Sure. You think? I mean, who knows? But go in with the mindset, no good team in the history of this league consistently wins when you beat yourself, when you have stupid penalties, stupid mistakes. Missed assignments are killing this team. Oh, killing this team. We're going to go there. Leading to some of the um, leading to some of the turnovers, frankly. Uh, but then you go back, I also think, like, we are, we're a good team. I mean, that's, I, I said that t- 
two weeks ago after um, we beat Houston going into these two games. I feel like we're a good team. I feel like we can compete with anyone in the AFC. That I have not changed my thoughts there at all. Now it's a bigger challenge because of the injuries we've we've had. However, I also think sometimes when you win, um, and the teams we were playing and, and guys were making plays and the ball was bouncing our ways at times, but they were playing good football, it also causes you to overlook some uh, systemic issues. And I think this team has some systemic issues that's going to that's gonna be a challenge for them to win in January, and that is controlling the line of scrimmage. Mm. Yeah, I, and, and trending in the wrong direction in some key areas. Well, defensively, they're going the wrong direction. I think they've kind of been what they are all year up front on offense. Yeah, that's fair. But, but, here, but here's, here's the issue. Your backs are now hurt, and then right. with, okay, the, 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 the issues up front still being there, it, it makes it look even worse. And now also your quarterback's hurt. You lost a wide receiver and your best wide receiver. Mm. So now you've got to lean into other areas. And the problem is right now it, this team is having a hard time leaning on those other areas. And defensively, they're not playing the way that they did earlier in the year to where they were jam up against the run. And yep. then finding a way to get it done against the pass, and one of the best teams in the league at one point on third down defense. And right now they're they're not stopping the running. Last time I checked, Joe Flacco and Jake Browning were not exactly upper echelon quarterbacks. They're no. backups. I mean, it's the fourth quarterback of the year for the Browns, and Flacco was on the couch three weeks ago watching football at his mom's house. Yeah, so literally that, that part of it for me is, is very concerning. Well, and I, and I think I mean this is game seven i believe that we have averaged under four yards of carry on the ground offensively mm. and and here's what happens when that becomes a trend it was their lowest total output of the season by the way 58 yards rushing and if you take away trevor lawrence's three rushes for 11 yards the backs average 2.7 you know 2.75 2.76 yards per carry um and what you're seeing which is super concerning is i think there's a complete lack of faith to run the ball between the tackles from our play callers. I mean, Press Taylor and then obviously Doug's part of that as well. You look at everything we do, it's, it has to be, you know, some kind of p uh, pin and pull play, get outside, uh, misdirection with the wham. But nothing, we don't line up and run downhill. And what that is now doing is influencing how we call the game. We had 50 pass attempts, only 17 called running plays we had 53 call play passing plays because trevor scrambled three times with a quarterback with a high ankle sprain with a quarterback with a high ankle sprain and how many times was he sacked um four times so actually i'm sorry we called 57 pass plays that's not ideal we called 17 run plays it was third in less than a yard and we're an empty yeah. at a shotgun we're throwing it down the field now everyone could say press taylor this press taylor that and i said it this morning and i'll say it again now as an offensive lineman, you have to earn the right and build confidence in your play caller that they can call the ball, call the run, and you can go get a yard. And somebody tell me, and JP, you know this. There's not a, big, a bigger a bigger apologist for this offensive line than me, um, and I always will back those guys. But reality is reality, Jeff. When you can't get a yard in the NFL, and you can, I watch how Press is calling plays now. Mm -hmm. Tell me how many things we call between the tackles downhill. Can't. Line up and run inside, well, outside zone, or run power and just go downhill. And not even trying it. We don't even try it. Third and less than one. Because when they have tried it, 
<laughs> it goes backwards. It hasn't gone well. Yards. You know, and it, give you a perfect example of there was one run play that really stuck out in my mind. Yesterday, and, and Tony will probably remember this one very well. And that Shatley at left guard is trying to pull first to the play right the side. Se- first play of the second. No, yeah, I think it's the first play of the second, second half. Second half. Yeah. Okay. And so you're trying to get Shatley front side, get an extra blocker over there to the front side. And all of a sudden you got a defensive tackle, which, look, Jim Schwartz's defenses, they're taught to get up the field. That's what they do. And you know that. Okay, you know that. There's penetration and to, to the point where he literally, the penetrator, knocks Fortner into Shatley, and then that's the, that's the minus five or minus six-yard gain that ETN had. And it's like, how can you run the ball if you're going to have that kind of battle result at the line of scrimmage? I mean, you just you got to be better than that. Mm-hmm. And and if you're not going to be better than that, then you go the route of what I think Press Taylor is doing right now, which is just saying, not even going to try to run it. We're just going to go ahead and throw it. Let's spread it out and throw it down the field. But, but, but that's problematic. Oh, yeah. That is the – when I say systemic problems, I think – we overlook because when you're winning, I'm not saying the coaches do. I think they've, I mean, but as us covering the game and, you know, Jeff and I probably less because we watch the tape and talk about it after each game. But just like as a fan or a casual observer, even covering the team, when you're winning, you know, I, I say it all the time, winning's like the great gravy at Thanksgiving. It can take a dry piece of turkey and make it really dang good if you throw a little stuffing and mashed potatoes around it. And winning is that gravy. It makes everything better. Well, but in a gravy, you can't figure out what's underneath of it. That's, <laughs> that's exactly True. right. But, but now you look at your December, it gets cold, it gets harder. You're fighting for playoff. I mean, we were playing a team yesterday that's in the playoff race. They're yeah. fighting for their lives too. Yeah. And now you're going to get in. I believe this team will still win the division. Still think they're the best team in the division. So you're going to get a home playoff game. But if you can't run the ball in the playoffs, or stop the or run. stop the run, yeah. it is really hard to advance. Let's uh, we'll get back to the offense in just a little bit and Trevor Lawrence's performance. Well, let's touch on that defense again. And yeah, um, it, it doesn't slow down this week with the Ravens coming to town and the best rushing offense in the National Football League, led by the quarterback, a dual threat in Lamar Jackson. Uh, well, first of all, the, the Jaguars haven't done a very good job lately against the run. And then you add in the communication issues. I mean, you had three explosive plays in that ball game yesterday yeah. that, that, I mean, were right. – when you watched the play, you went, who's supposed to cover that guy? And that's a problem. And uh, you, from the Najoku first uh, third and one, which, oh, by the way, third and one, Cleveland Browns lined up to run the ball. Okay, and you're taking it seriously. And then you hit a big play, right? That's kind of what you want your offense to be able to do. Okay, but you can't do that because nobody's going to line up and, and literally stack the box and then play you like the Cleveland Browns or the Jaguars played the Cleveland Browns. And, and, and we'll get into all who was responsible, but, I mean, those three big, big plays, you know, two plays in Najoku, and then uh, what was the other one to uh, the wide receiver? Oh, uh, 18, the rookie 18. Tillman. Uh, Tillman. Yeah. Tennessee guy. T- right? Tillman. No, I don't think it was Tillman. Tillman was 19. I think it was a, a, a different guy. Oh, uh, I thought 18 was. A rarely oh. used, like, third team wide receiver. Yeah, Bell hit a 41 yarder. That's Bell. Bell, sorry, not Bell. Yep. <laughs> and, and so, like, wait a minute. And, uh, you know, it, it is pretty 
easy to solve some of these problems. I mean, it's just do your job. And that's kind of been an issue that's popped up a little bit, and then they solved it, and then now it's rearing its head again. Logs, it's week 15. Like, no, JP, why are these I, still issues? I, I, and I understand that. And, you know, just like last week against the Cincinnati Bengals with Jamar Chase, okay, first of all, you didn't have the right personnel on the field. And then you were trying to figure out what do we do with the wrong personnel. And Call timeout. <laughs> probably would have been a good idea. I don't know. And so Cisco's trying to get somebody lined up on a wide receiver on the far side of the field, which, you know, you'd like to have Cisco as a deep middle player to maybe save a touchdown there to Jamar Chase once Jamar Chase got past Tyson Campbell, but it didn't happen. And so those are the things that, as a defense, you know, because here's the thing. The the Jaguars' offense has a set of objectives, okay? And it's called their offensive command. Number one is protect the ball. Number two is create explosives. Number three is be great situational offense. So as a defense, you're trying to prevent all of that. Okay, well, take the ball away. Okay, you did that. Check. Number two, uh Stop explosives. Didn't do that. Nope. Okay. Number three, be a great situational D. Mm. Didn't accomplish that. You know, so I'm, this this defense and this offense, they've got to change the, the direction that they're going because last year at this time they were ascending, and right now I think they're floundering a little bit. Plenty ahead. We'll come back in a moment and get back to the offensive performance. And, Tony, you're going to start naming names. I am a- you are. Okay, can't wait for that. We're naming names. J.P. Shadrick was awful in pregame. It's <laughs> Tony Vaselli, Jeff Lagerman, J.P. Shadrick with you from Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra. We're here until 6 o'clock. Come join us. And Jags fans want customized Jags furniture for your home? Check out ZipChair.com and browse all customizable options. ZipChair furniture for fans. This is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. That's on us, and we got to take some accountability, you know, for cleaning that up. And um, that's just stuff that can't happen, you know, for both of us. You know, we got to be on the same page. Um, and there, it seemed like all those plays that we weren't, you know, some weeks you're able to get away with it and it doesn't bite you. It seemed like this week they all did. Um, turned into turnovers or or sacks or bad plays or whatever, you know. So we got to, we all got to kind of take accountability and look in the mirror. And, you know, there's stuff that, you know, I didn't do well today. Um, and then just in general, we all have to communicate better. We have to be on the same page. We have to play together um, and just do the little things. You know, I think we're, we're overlooking some of the details, and uh, I think that's where some of the stuff's going off. That is the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, after the game yesterday in Cleveland. A Jaguars lost 31-27, and welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, and Jaguars YouTube, J.P. Shadrick. Hall of Famer Tony Vaselli, Jeff Lagerman, and then in the second hour, Pete Frisco scheduled to join us over the phone. We'll uh, keep it real as we always do. And Fanatics fan questions, come join us at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach. We are here until 6 o'clock rehashing, because we must, a Jaguars loss to Cleveland. Miscommunications, <laughs> yeah, Trevor I, Lawrence I, talking about. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what are we talking about? Let me, let me. I, <laughs> Come on, Tony. There's another way to say that. I think that Trevor, and I'm not saying he's without blemish or without sin. I don't, 
mean, ultimately, I watch the tape and I have theories and I can uh, make some assumptions. But well, we love to hear your theories. But I, I, I don't think it's miscommunication. I think it's called a missed assignment or a mental error. Mm. I mean, that's what, at least that's what we used to call them. Call it is what it is. Um, Somebody and, screwed up. And it is clear on certain situations that um, Trevor thinks someone's in a zag and they zig. <laughs> I mean, okay. Just to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, like, perfect, the interception in the red zone, by the way. Um, it's, uh, I believe it's first and ten on that play as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's a, uh, Calvin's running around, and Trevor, I think, believes he's going to sit it down at 12 yards, and Calvin breaks it off like a slant. By the way, into coverage. Almost like a post route. Like a skinny but, post. But, but a very nonchalant, doesn't even get his head back post route. But, and it's into coverage. This is why yeah. I'm pretty positive that it was the wrong route. Mm. And Trevor's throwing on time. He's throwing to a spot. And the guy's not there. Much like, let's go back real quick before we go to the next play from, from yesterday. You go back to the Bengals game when Trevor got stepped on. That's right, Parker Washington. He was expecting Parker Washington to do something, and he was unloading the ball and then had to stop it because Parker Washington was not decisive in what was being asked of him. Okay, now we're back to yesterday. Yeah, I mean, those are examples. I mean – on this one, I don't know. I mean, there's a post. I'm not sure. What, it's first down and 10 again, I believe. And I'm not sure why Trevor even throws it. Uh, I think he believes the backside safety can't get there. He throws it like it's going to be a skinny post and work vertical. Zay breaks it more of a traditional post, post kind of breaks it more towards the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And it leads to an interception. I think that one uh, might be on Trevor. Yeah, I'm not. that's what I'm saying. I don't yeah. know if it's Trevor... Bad. I had to guess. Yeah, me too. So I have no idea. But just, I mean, and you can even see, you see it at times, and I've seen, noticed it the last couple of weeks, where, you know, sometimes we see Trevor, and maybe it is Trevor sometimes, that the ball is just way off target. I believe a number of those times is the depth of the route is not correct. Because so Trevor's throwing to a spot on timing based on depth of route. Like each of these routes have, like, it's a 12-yard out. It's an 18-yard comeback. Well, if you all of a sudden take that 18-yard comeback and shorten it at 15, you've changed the timing. Or if you take a 12-yard out and you run it at 9 yards, the quarterback's throwing to a 12-yard out. I mean, that's just that's yeah, it, simple it, it, football. It's you got to be precise. That's right. And you got to be consistent and you got to be dependable to be able to function in an NFL offense. So let me go to the other interception, which was down the sideline. Okay, Trevor's got pressure, okay, coming up the middle. He's got to get rid of the ball. Okay, so if you guys are playing quarterback and you know that pressure's coming, your first thought is, I've got to get rid of this ball, correct? Sure, yeah. Okay, so you're going to really quick process in your mind where you need to get rid of the ball at. More than likely, you guys are probably going to decide to throw it somewhere where maybe one of your guys has got a really good chance of beating the defender one-on-one to make a play, correct? Well, I'll even go further, Jeff. Not only I'm going to go, I'm going to go somewhere where at worst I got a 50-50 ball chance. 50-50 ball. Against okay. where, and, and right. by then, then I'm going to figure out who's my best guy. Should be my best guy. Should 50, be. 50-50 ball. Should be. And I'm going there because I got pressure. I know I got man coverage. 
I'm going to I'm going to go take a shot. All right. Well, here's the play. Trevor gets the ball, and here comes pressure up the middle. He knows that Calvin Ridley is out on the right side, and he's got single coverage, and he's going to launch it. Okay. Now let's focus in on Calvin's route. Calvin comes off the line of scrimmage, runs vertical, bends it to the outside to go vertical once again, but the defender stays on top. Okay, that's fine. But you still have to go. Okay, well, he takes it from out of fifth gear and puts it into fourth gear or third gear even. Slows down a little bit. Well, the ball's on the way. And then once he realizes the ball's on the way, now he's trying to catch back up again while the defender's on top and makes an easy interception. If, if he had just kept running, in my opinion, he would have at the least made it tough for the defender to make an interception, and at best, maybe he makes a play. Or maybe he can pass interference. Yeah, or, or gets something. a flag. Right. Finish and, the play. And my point is is that this year a lot of people have asked the question about, about – and I'm not just focusing on one guy because it, it's across the board – uh, not across the board, but it's it's you got issues here and there. But Calvin Ridley needs to be more dependable and more reliable and more consistent. I mean, if you're going to be that guy, that's what you've got to be. And and I've noticed over the last couple of weeks that they're trying to not this past game, but in weeks prior, they were really trying to I think keep him engaged and involved with the reverses and such to keep his. You know, keep him involved in the game because, I mean, there was games where he just didn't have a lot of targets. And I think part of the reason why is you're not going to target a guy if you can't depend on him. This game he had 13 targets, four catches. Zay Jones, 14 targets, five catches. That's 27 targets, only nine receptions between your two top guys. Which which is a terrible catch percentage. I mean, let, let's look at Evan Ingram. Evan well, Ingram. Yeah, I was going to say, are they, the, uh, are they our top guys? Well, I mean, receiver-wise, right? Well, I mean, Ingram's the guy. I think, I mean, the right? offense, I mean – just real quick, Evan Ingram, go ahead, go ahead. okay, 12 targets, <laughs> 11 receptions, okay? And I'm not saying that, yeah. that that's the kind of number that you expect out of your top receivers every week, but, I mean, if you look at the top receivers in the league, their catch percentage is much higher oh, yeah. than where where it's at for the Jaguars wide receiver, and, and that has to be better. And, and it's exactly what Trevor's talking about. Trevor's talking about dependability, you know, and we've got to be accountable, and look, he's trying to own some of the responsibility himself and, and making sure that he's deflecting it and, and owning some of it himself. But here's the problem. When your quarterback starts talking about that stuff, it's been going on for a little while. Yeah. And it's a problem. We remember early in the season when Ridley had the drop and then the next drive had a false start. And then he later in the game had another drop and had a second false start. And it just kind of snowballed for him in that game alone. You know, in a game like this, same idea, right? On the Parker-Washington touchdown, on the other side of the play, it looked like Calvin Ridley is, like, looking at the referee on the side. Yeah, I think he was arguing with the referee because if, if you go back to that play, that was the play that um, – the uh, uh, what's it, Demarius? No, it's not Demarius. Zadarius uh, Smith. Zadarius Smith. Thank you. It's not Demarius. It's Zadarius. A lot of names. Zadarius Smith is – Offsides because he thinks we're, we've moved. He's standing in the neutral zone. He thinks Sheriff false yeah. started. And somehow the official doesn't call the flag. Which is terrible which because is, he's it, – <laughs> this is worse I than mean, Kadarius Tony. He's standing in the neutral zone. Yes. Right. And, and you I think Kadarius Tony's offside? This is, this is way better. This is a much – yes, much more obvious. And I think Calvin, which I'm not saying he should be. He should just go run, go run the – it's a free play right. or if you – whatever. 
is uh, I think it's the same play. He's arguing with the official why the official's not throwing the flag. That's what the job description is of, of a the head coach. coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot but, going on. I mean, but let's go back to. I mean, how do they fix it? By the way, real quick on that play. Yeah, Trevor didn't throw to the right guy. No, but turned out all right. I mean, it, very lucky. Yeah, uh, very lucky because that ball should have been intercepted. But Evan Ingram was the open guy. He literally leaks out late to the right, and and it, it's a, it's a walk in touchdown and an easy throw for Trevor. He Trevor missed that one. Well, he didn't want Evan to have three touchdowns on the day. Yeah, yeah. it's probably too. Many. Spread it out. A little. Spread it. Um, hey, how do they figure this out though? This communication issue is it too late? It's week fifteen again. Like well, you know, there's four big well, games left. Well, we and we've talked about this in the past. I mean, you have there's two solutions. Either players have. I mean, and both can be. You can do both at the same time. Number one. It's your job. Know the playbook. Be accountable to your teammates and to the, to the organization. You're getting paid to play football. Know what you are supposed to do. If you don't understand it, ask. It's just simple work. Study. Film. Practice. Repeat. It's not, it, there's no secret formula like these teams who are on the same page, they do something different. So it starts with player accountability. Trevor, all the receivers, offensive line, player accountability. Know your job and do your job. Secondly, I think it's the job of the coaching staff. It, it, I think you've got to look and say, are we asking too much? Because at the end of the day, your job as a coach is to put your p- players in a position to succeed and only g- and give them what they can handle. And it's, I'll say the same thing on defense. If you're having busts every game where guys – that's not fair, not every game. But if you're having busts that are costing you games, either you have guys who aren't studying, preparing, and are ready, or you're giving them too much. And you have to simplify it so guys can play fast. And I think – so I think if I'm – you know, if, if you're Press Taylor and you're looking at the game plan, do you, do you take a step back and say, okay, what are we going to put in? Because obviously we can't handle. And at the same time – I mean, this is a very simple relationship. The players, you have to earn the confidence and the trust of the coaching staff. Sure, yeah. That's your job. And so they need to go, and Trevor said it best, look in the mirror, have an honest assessment saying, am I, get, am I doing everything I need to to be prepared for Sunday? And am I doing my job on Sunday? And if not, you need to change those things. Well, there, there's a couple solutions from a coaching standpoint. Okay, mm-hmm. once you look at it and you say, "Okay, are we asking too much?" and if the answer is no, okay, then you go to the player and see if you can fix it. And then if all of a sudden you can't fix it, then you go to another player to try to fix it. I mean, it's just how it works. I mean, it's you know, you you, you got to be able to have production, dependability. Availability, reliability, accountability, production. A lot of abilities. That's a, that's a long list of abilities. Well, and you know, when you look at the offense, it's a, it's an interesting dilemma they have um, because they're beat up up front. I mean, we're on our fourth left tackle. I mean, maybe I, you know, I, I know there's. Was I hope Ezra Cleveland's okay. By the way, yeah, sounds I mean, like that he was cleared. Yeah, fine. word word is day. there's no stru- structural damage. Yeah. It sounds like That's what Doug Peterson said. And, ho- and the, I guess there's some po- there's a possibility they might get Walker a little back. That's this what week. Doug said today too. Mm-hmm. So that would that's a good start. I mean, you need you always want your best players out there, um, but you look at the trend we're on six, seven, whatever games it is, eight games where we can't. You know, we're having a hard time rushing at the length of the football. 
I don't think the formula for this team is to have 57 pass plays and 17 rushes. That's not sustainable. So now you have to think about it. We're not going to find brand-new personnel. I mean, Luke, I mean, Luke Fortner is a second-year young player who is not playing physical. He does not move people. He's a position blocker. That's a problem if you want to run downhill. Brandon Sheriff has had all kinds of lower body angles, angles. At this point of his career, he is not a smash mouth, hand to the ground, grind it, move you off the ball. He's very athletic. He's very smart. He gets, like, he's a good stabilizing force. But that, that's just, and so I think if you're pressed, you know that. You're not changing that. Unless you're willing to change personnel, if, those, if that's your center and that's your right guard, get a rookie at right tackle who's very athletic, good player, I, I didn't think he was his best on Sunday. I've seen him play much better uh, coming in, but he's a solid player. You got questions at left guard. Shatley's a guy who's been around, and you got huge questions at left tackle because Blake Hans is your fourth guy. And so you, uh, you have to step back and say, we're going into a game this week against, if you think Cleveland was physical, <laughs> Baltimore's front seven is 2X as physical. I saw a number today, real quick. The uh, 49ers, I think their point differential this year is like plus 280. And the second-place team in point differential are the Ravens. They're like plus 165 point differential. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. They're good. I mean, that's unbelievable. They're good football. I mean, for, I mean, both numbers. I mean, the San Francisco one is just I – mean, maybe I'm a little high on that. But, uh, but that, they're clearly the that best That is crazy. Team. Maybe you can confirm that, uh, JP, but I'm pretty sure that's what the numbers were. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, because I, the first one that I saw was the 49ers. And then I said, all right, well, let's see who would be in second place. Yeah. San Fran's at 175 net points, and uh, Dallas at 188 now, by the way. Plus 188? Yeah, uh, overall net points. After blowing yeah. them out last night. After last right, night. Well, maybe, I'm, Baltimore's at 143. Okay. So Baltimore's third. Right there. Right. Yeah, they're right there. You're in the, you were in the right neighborhood. I was... Hundred right off, hundred off on the 49ers one. But your your point is the Jaguars are twenty two, and your but point. your point is your good forget, football team. Forget about the point because I think it's all valid points. Yeah. My biggest concern, based on how we are playing football right now and watching how, at least the feel the from the sense of watching tape and watching it live, that press feels like he has to call the game right now that he can't run the ball and play a physical game offensively. It's not who they are. Well, you are now facing, I think this is a much better defense. I know uh, Cleveland's numbers, I think, are a little bit better as far as yards given up per game. They, they were number one, and Baltimore's number two. I think yeah. Baltimore's better right. because they're better. I mean, my, they don't have Miles Garrett, but they have about three or four guys who can rush the passer and get after it. And this is a physical game, so it'll be very interesting. How do you neutralize that defensive front that you know is going to be physical when that really isn't? your calling card right now as a team. We'll dig into that a little bit later on next week's game against the Baltimore Ravens. Sign up your furry friend for the Jaguars official four-legged fan club for pets presented by Forever Vets Animal Hospital. Your pet will receive access to exclusive merchandise, events, and sweepstakes throughout the season. Visit jaguars.com slash promotion slash four-legged fan club and sign up today. We are live from... Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach. Come on out and see us. We're here until 6 o'clock. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans.
I knew like it was a possibility, but you know what I'm saying? I just came home, I worked hard every week, every day through the week. That's Antonio Johnson, rookie defensive back, and welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Johnson with two tackles, a sack, a pass defense, and a forced fumble in the game yesterday. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Vaselli, and Jeff Lagerman from Mr. Chubby's Wings in Panavija. Glad you're with us. We're here until 6 o'clock on this Monday. Pete Prisco coming up in a little bit. Second hour, we'll keep it real as we always do. And Fanatics fan questions, plenty ahead as we recap the Jaguars and the Browns, and we're in the final stretch of the regular season. Only two home games left. Be there as the Jaguars go head-to-head with the Ravens this coming Sunday on Sunday Night Football. Grab your teal and help the Jags teal out the stands. Get your tickets at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. We're on 1010XLAM, jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. So, yes, a couple things, JP, because we have not – done the show since uh, before the Bengals game. Um, you're right. The week before because yeah. we obviously missed Monday night. Yeah. Um, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. It's been a while. There's a lot of um, noise, chatter going on that, frankly, you were the cause of this two-game uh, two game uh, losing streak. Really? Yeah, because uh, you decided to jump in prior to the Bengals game where Pete and I had a very good thing going. We've been calling wins, locking them, double locking, double them. locking them, and we've been right every time. And, and then all of a sudden, as we're leaving and going out, the Monday, the week prior to the uh, Bengals game, you scream out, triple lock. Yeah. And ever since the triple lock, we have not won a game. It's true. However, I did call the Packers. Yeah, over the well, no one cares. No one cares. It would have helped us out. Uh, if the, you not know, if we that, if we keep losing, that's not going to help matter us. anymore. No. But I did call that. So we need to figure out. Well, I'm going to figure this out for you, JP. I will never lock anything again. Good. Ever. Good. I'm, that's, I'm that's off good the point. locks. It was a one and done. I piled on. Oh, you piled I, I on a little too much. It was a flag. I, it was yeah. It was a it was Late egregious. Hit. Egregious. Hit. And, yeah. yeah, I would have been flagged and probably ejected. Yes, it was. So I just want to make sure that kind of a bandwagon move there, oh, JP. That's you know? fair. No, it's fair. Oh, yeah, was, I'm going to triple lock. And yeah. Jeff, you know, like oh, you, up your double lock. <laughs> I'm going to triple lock. <laughs> exactly. And you know when you feel it in the moment, like that was a bad idea. It's immediately what you said. Too. I immediately told him when he said, "I said that was bad. It's a bad idea. I don't like you doing that." And JP, you need to learn. Yeah, well, I'm learning. Yeah, learn. <laughs> I'm going to go quadruple lock. I had to watch those last two games, too, Tony. I'm learning. Don't worry. It oh, happens. my goodness gracious. What, um, so we just heard from Antonio Johnson. Yeah, he um, – Good tell game. Tell you what. I Good mean, game. These guys are out there a lot because there's injuries in the secondary now, right? But I mean, he's Tyson an, Campbell, Herndon, Cisco left the game yesterday. Jeff, because remind me. He was a safety in college, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He did both. He played nickel. safety and nickel. Yeah. And then in this game, he played nickel. Yeah, he, he, no, he played nickel. I knew this week. He played, yeah, he played nickel. And I, I mean, it's a small sample size. We saw him in camp, and we've seen him a little bit in the regular season. But, boy, I like This guy's what, stud. I like what I I'm see. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, I said he, it in training camp, and he, he had he the has, injury, though, that slowed him down. This guy's a stud. He has great feet. He has good speed. Speed. Length. He's physical. I mean, like I was like, okay, not bad. Now it's a small sample size. I mean, you gotta, and I'd still at this point rather have Trey Herndon out there because Trey Herndon is in the right spot, right time. He might be 
limited in man coverage at certain in certain matchups. Just but he is physical in the run game. You're starting safety next year, probably. He's a great blitzer. John one of your starting safeties next year. And here's Antonio the Johnson? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that wouldn't surprise me. Here's the other thing that he can do. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Kyle Hamilton. You know, which is the safety for the Ravens who got dinged up, I think, yesterday. Yeah, day he's, to day. And he's got the length, and he plays nickel. And he's, you know, most people, when, or my, I remember the first time I watched Kyle Hamilton on film, and I was like, there's no way that a guy that's got the length like him can play nickel in the NFL because that's what he was doing a little bit of in college at Notre Dame. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he gets to the NFL and Pretty he's good playing at it. nickel. And I'm, I'm talking like really good at it. And I was like, holy cow. I mean, he's not many guys that have a lot of length can have the quickness to be able to play nickel to cover a guy like a Christian Kirk. Yeah, short area quicknesses. And Antonio Johnson, I'm telling you folks, this guy is a really, really good acquisition. And uh, he's got a very bright future. Jaguars defense this week against this Ravens offense. Lamar Jackson is the leading rusher by yardage. Gus Edwards punches it in for a touchdown. He had a long stretch of like nine of his ten touchdowns were in a five-game stretch recently. He hadn't, he's he been in the end zone they the last the couple rookie, weeks. Uh, the rookie, uh, Zay uh, Flowers. Yeah, Flowers. Flowers they, the so they've got a, OBJ. Few a few different OBJ. guys. But they're missing their best weapon in the passing game, and that's Mark Andrews, their tight end. He's... If you look at back over the last several years, hip drop tackle. He is the he's this he's the the comf, like the the little baby blanket, the binky for uh, <laughs> security blanket. Security blanket. That's what I was looking for. What, what, what was uh, Linus's Linus Linus blanket is, yes. called? Just his blanket, blanket, right? Well, like I had like like my kid, like your booby or your bubby or whatever you call it. <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. Yeah, you know, you call it like what the was little, that? Yeah, bubby. Or What's your booby blanket called? What was the first thing you said? Well, Wait a minute, what in the world is going <laughs> you know on in Colorado? I mean. uh, you know what I mean. And uh, I, think, I think you actually referred to a. a, a part of the female anatomy there. There's something wrong well, with you. Uh, men have those Is that too. okay on this show? I mean, I'm not usually here on yes, Mondays. Is that what you guys do? It's a different show on Mondays, Jeff. <laughs> men Beware. have that body part as well, so, like, don't be weird. Um, my point is, Mark Andrews is the guy that when it breaks down or they needed big plays or a big first down, he was the guy that Lamar went to. So they're not as good as they were early in the season offensively, in my opinion, without Mark Andrews, but they still have a bunch of weapons. And they've changed their offense. This is not the old Veer offense that Lamar ran for the first, what, five or six, seven years of his career. I mean, they, just, they, drop, they drop back, they throw it around, and he still has the ability, obviously, to get out of the pocket and kill you with his legs. Yeah. It's, it's, a good, it's a good group. And, and the, the biggest change for the, the big leap in offense and Lamar Jackson's performance is their new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, yeah. who is doing a tremendous job. And, and of course, look, Lamar Jackson just got a new contract. He's playing and, well, too. And and he's really taken ownership with the offense. And and Munkin has really made him take ownership. I don't say made him, but helped get him to take ownership of the offense. And, I mean, when you listen to Lamar Jackson now talk at the podium, and I watched a couple of his interviews earlier today, it's impressive. I mean, he's very aware, much more than he was in the past. And and you can tell. I mean, it's he, he's instead of talking like, you know, he's in – uh, undergraduate school, you can tell that he's upped his language and quarterback to graduate school or, or you know, working PhD. on his doctorate or whatever. You know, I mean, he's he's definitely taking a big step. Well, that was the big question, you know, in Greg Roman's old offense, the, the reason you heard a lot of people say well, they run this offense because Lamar can't be a traditional drop back guy. 
he can't operate that way. And and Todd Munkins come in and said, well, you're wrong. Yeah. And Lamar is saying you're wrong. I can run an offense more traditional. I can be a pocket passer when need be. And they're playing, they're dangerous. And they can run the ball. They can throw it. Now, you know, but that doesn't worry me. Their offense isn't my big worry, JP. Okay. They're their defense. Because you have a front seven that flat gets after you. We'll dig into that in the second hour coming up in just a little bit. Uh, if you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. This truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We are here until 6 o'clock. Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. We were a little disconnected. Um, you know, um, Trevor and the receivers were a little off. You know, we had opportunities to make plays in the first half. Didn't obviously the turnovers. You know, are are, are big, and, and you can't you can't do that. Um, you know, we had a little success early running the football. Um, you know, with some of the things we did to keep them off balance. But just overall, just not not enough plays made. You know, too many. Too many self-inflicted wounds, you know, that, that kept us from sustaining drives or, um, you know, staying on the field. Head coach Doug Peterson after the game yesterday, and welcome back. We're at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach until six o'clock. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli, Jeff Logaman, Pete Prisco coming up in hour number two. He's got plenty to say, I'm sure. We're on Tension XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. That was immediately after the game yesterday, Tony. Yeah, and Doug says something that I agree with, but I want to clarify from my perspective at least. He says, we did some good things early in the run game. And you say, well, then how do you only have 17 rushes to your running backs and under three yards of carry? Um, And they did have some success on two pin and pulls. And one, um, and one wham play. The problem with those plays, those are plays where you, because of the formation or you catch someone by surprise or the angles that you catch them in the right look, that just by getting in people's way and, you know, you can, it's more position and pull type of things, you can have success. I don't believe those things are repeatable over the length of a 60-minute game. And we saw them try, like, uh, pretty. if you look at the first play of the second half that Jeff was talking about, they're trying to pull and get outside and do stuff like that, but because your center is five yards in the backfield, with right. everyone gets muddled up. You know, they ran a very nice wham play, which is, you know, the, uh, the wingback um, traps the tackle or the defensive tackle. You work up linebackers. They did a nice job, and they got, like, seven or eight. They tried to run it again. They got zero because – like you start recognizing We've the, seen de- this before, the defense right. starts recognizing it yeah. where good run teams what they do is they line up and they say we're going to run inside zone um we don't think you can stop it and yeah we'll do it out of different formations and different looks to keep you honest and keep you off but we're just going to line up put our hand in the dirt we're going to double you up to the next linebacker our back's going to take one cut and we're going to get four yards. Yeah, the, we're going to uh, get three yards. And, and then by the fourth quarter, those are five, six, 20 yards. 
and the uh, a couple of the plays that they had that were successful, they were quick snaps, and so they caught Cleveland a little bit. Uh, it, it's kind of the trick. You got to trick them. Right. You got to trick them. You got to fool them. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing that's very difficult against the Cleveland Browns is that, you know, when you combo block to try to get up to the next level, those linebackers flow so fast that if you really can't combo block to up to that next level. Um, but the reality is, is that, you know, watching that game and watching the film. You actually can combo block at the next level, Jeff, you, can, you take the right angle. If you're really good. But watching the Cleveland Browns and watching their two guards, Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio. They got up there. Those two guys are really good. And I'm talking really good. They're Pro Bowl guys, really right? fit, Like seven Pro Bowls yeah. between them. And they lost their center, uh, Ethan Posick. And then the, their, their backup center, Nick Harris, was the guy that actually in short yardage and stuff, he plays fullback for them. Ah. So he was lined up in the beginning of the game when they were in short yards. That touchdown to Najoku, he was the fullback lined up in the backfield. That's not something that's uncommon. He is the fullback on their depth chart, which is odd. <laughs> okay. That's your backup center is your starting fullback. The more you can do, I guess. But, I mean, that's that's a football team that uh, is committed to running the ball, and they do a good job. And obviously they had to be committed to running the ball over the course of the last number of weeks because of all the change at quarterback that they've had. And uh, the other thing about that game, watching it, Miles Garrett was literally every moment that you watch him, you just go, you wonder when he's just going to turn it on. Because when he turns it on, you can't stop the guy. But I'll say this, Jeff. If you look at the entirety of that game, he did not mess up the game. No, he didn't wreck it. He did not wreck the game. No, the Jags did a pretty good job. They did a good plan. I mean, even the contained him. Even the sack he had in the two minute I mean in the two point play, mm-hmm. it was after Trevor had to hold it a little yeah, bit. It, was it wasn't it wasn't just now he, Trevor did a good job getting rid of him a couple times because he won right away. Why, why did we go for two? I, we, oh, can, we can talk about this that. Is another whole hour to go. By the right. way, wait to hold that question until Pete gets on, because Pete okay. will have a field day. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'd like to know. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to understand that the mentality there. I got some theories. I'm not saying okay. they're right, but I got some theories. We'll save it for Pete. Yeah, save it for Pete. That's a, that's a good question. An, to, probably a question on uh, why they uh, went for it and left it in field goal range too. But well, so I got there's story. there's a couple game situations we'll talk about in the second hour. Yeah. The two are there's three. We went for it twice. Um, one I know for sure the on, analytics say to go for it down. Uh, two point you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, we had okay. two two points. We want to talk about both of those situations. And then late in the game, basically at 348 and three timeouts, you're going for them fourth and six or seven. That's where they use the timeout. They use the timeout. Play. Okay. But, they, but is it the right decision to go for it there, or is punting it away and playing defense and getting the ball back with a chance to tie it? Well, they didn't get it. Could have taken a delay game there and punted it. And they hit a 55-yard field goal to take a 10-point lead. We'll get to that. we got a whole hour ahead. We're out to Pete Frisco. We are live at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach. Come out and join us until 6 o'clock. Hour one on the books. Hour two next. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Too many 
mistakes, uh, you know, penalties, missed opportunities, missed throws, drops, um, you know, just not playing sound football. You know, I think we were just so inconsistent, it was hard to get in a rhythm. Um, feels like, it feels like all the close plays like we didn't make that you, you need to get some momentum back in games and it seemed like all of those we just weren't able to make today. Um, so, you know, we got to watch this tape and really learn from it because there's a lot on there that we got to clean up and, and get better from. Um, it was just walking off the field, you feel like we missed so many opportunities and left a lot out there and really just shot ourselves in the foot over and over. There's the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, after the game in Cleveland yesterday, and welcome back. It's the second hour of Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. We are on location at Mr. Chubby's in Ponte Vedra Beach until 6 o'clock tonight after a Jaguars loss to the Browns. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Vaselli, Jeff Lagerman. The Jags drop another, this time 31-27 the final. Trevor Lawrence played through the ankle injury but he also threw three interceptions in the game. Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones, the receivers, combined for 27 targets and only nine catches in the game. The Jags' defense had issues as well. They gave up nearly 400 yards. Joe Flacco over 300 yards passing. But the Jaguars did not lose ground in the AFC South race. A game up on the Colts and Texans, four to go. Sunday night football this week for the Jaguars. For the first time since 2008, the Ravens, come to town with the number two defense in the NFL. Great against the pass. Number one in sacks. They run the daylights out of it. Lamar Jackson and all the rest. Pete Prisco joining us now. CBS Sports Senior Writer for the second hour of Jaguars Happy Hour. Good afternoon, Pete. How are you? There's Petey. We can't hear you, Can't hear Pete. Sorry, Pete. You can't hear... Is that, is that a good thing? Yeah, it's it, can, it thing. can be a good thing when you can't hear Pete. <laughs> I, I sometimes like putting him on mute. <laughs> So we'll have to work on some yeah. technical difficulties uh, here, but um, I can't wait to hear what Pete has to Pete say. Pete looked good. I was going to give him the floor and like almost give him the whole segment and yeah. just say, Pete, unload on us. <laughs> All right, hey, real quick, I, I, I want to go ahead and say this because uh, we haven't we haven't said anything about this. Uh, I give Trevor a lot of credit. Tough as heck. You're talking Gosh, about a quarterback coming back playing from a high ankle sprain. Sure. I mean, how did how do you do that? I mean, folks, high ankle sprains are typically anywhere between three to six weeks of inactivity, of being inactive. And he was able to come back and play in six days. Six days. I mean, that, that's insane. Yeah. And, 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 to, and to be mobile in six days. How do you do that? He has special healing powers. Wow. And he's Gumby. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the, I mean, the, I mean he's, the Gumby. he's done it multiple times. Like, Detroit I, I, last year got twisted up and came back in the game. Obviously, we know what happened with the knee thing this year and, and coming back to play in, in a really short week. And now somehow gets out of this one. Monday night, you'd have thought he's done for, you know, four or five weeks at least. It was, uh, And then now he's jumping buildings with a, a single bounce. But, well, <laughs> it, and let me, speaking from an offensive lineman's perspective, I can't – even describe how far that goes when your quarterback has that mentality and that toughness and guts it out and is out there like as an offensive line you're like that's the dude i want to block for that's the dude i want to go to war with because this isn't some prima donna or different you know he's a tough dude who wants he wants to play ball and well, he wants to win and, and what you'd like to have is for 
those, and we had mentioned this in our broadcast at the beginning, that you want those around him to elevate their level of play to make it easier to help him. And I don't I think, think that, that happened. Well, now let's talk about some guys who I thought did play pretty well. Evan Ingram had Evan? a great day. Sure he did. He's having really good days back-to-back. Two good weeks. Two. Absolutely. Two good weeks. Uh, 12 targets, 11 catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns for Ingram. And I'll, I'm going to give two guys that wasn't always pretty, but not easy duty. Before Ezra got hurt, I gave him credit. Never, hadn't played one snap in, foot in the NFL at left tackle and is going out there and blocking Miles Garrett. Now, did they help him? Yeah, but he was also out there a couple times one-on-one before he got hurt. In fact, the first touchdown, he is one-on-one. When he twists his knee, but he's one-on-one with Miles Garrett. Miles puts a great move on it, and he sits it down and protects Trevor's yeah, backside job. and allows the touchdown to happen. And then you have a guy in Blake Hands who's <laughs> sitting on the sideline, and I'm sure when he saw Ezra get hurt, he's like, are you kidding me? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Boy. And he went out there, and he was it pretty all the time? No, but did he go fight his tail he, off? He fought. He fought, and you know what? Miles Garrett did not mess up the game. Miles, we didn't lose because we couldn't block those guys up front. We didn't lose because Trevor was getting harassed the entire game. Yeah, the, the one we didn't thing, win because we didn't run the ball. As, as a lineman, Tony, the worst block you can have is what we call the lookout oh, block. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You know you're which, beat right away. Which oh. you just you get beat right away, and you're beat clean, and your quarterback doesn't have a chance. You want to at least slow a guy. And I, I thought, that, look, Blake is in a tough matchup, but he never had a lookout block. No, there wasn't Which like we call it a lookout block because the offensive lineman gets beat and he and turns around and goes, "Look out!" <laughs> you don't want those. That's bad for business. Not when you have a franchise, not with anybody, no. but especially a franchise quarterback with a bad ankle. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, give him credit, and, and but Trevor, I mean, the toughness that he's displayed in his career now—forty-seven consecutive games played—just uh, impressive. And uh, I, I thought he played well enough to win. And, and I think that this team has got to, they got to be better around him and better on the other side of the ball to get a win like that. Because, look, when you're on the road, and I, and I can tell you this too, that's a hostile environment. Trust me. Okay? Oh, yeah. What we got to experience it firsthand. Hold on. So, for those who did yeah. not listen to the broadcast yesterday. Shame on you for not listening, by, by the way. By the way, what are you doing? <laughs> Second of all, you missed out on Jeff Lagerman nearly jumping out of the booth, apparently, to go maybe chase down a Browns fan. What? Well, Take us through what happened. I'll give you the kind of the scene, and I'll let Jeff get into. Jeff was much more vocal with the fans. Though. Well, he was vocal on the air about well, it, Well, no, but you should, yeah. in the break, it was even more. Okay. Um, Basically, we're sitting, and we had a great – it's a great booth, by the way. Great vantage point. We're at the 40-yard line. In some of these newer stadiums, you're kind of in the corner at times. It was great. But the fans are literally right there. Like, the booth is here, and Jeff and I could touch the fans. They touched the top of their heads. Right really? There. In yeah, fact, oh at yeah. one point, some of the cool Brown fans asked Jeff to take a picture of them, and Jeff took a picture of the, the from the booth. That's yeah, cool. that was, was an olive branch. Yeah, nice olive it was yeah. All, this was yeah. after. Well, that worked out. There was yeah. one guy. They who, were the ones that weren't as drunk as the others. <laughs> there was a couple people together. Maybe they were brothers. And like uh, the nickname would be Summer Teeth because somewhere over there, somewhere over here, Summer Teeth. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> and he hadn't seen a dentist for a while, and he was very vocal, very, ha- very and hammered and hammered and very vocal, well, very hammered. We're sitting there, and Jeff and I are having fun back and forth. Well, all of a sudden, we're on the air and not even paying attention, and a beer. When the Browns scored a touchdown, 
Here comes a beer can. A beer can comes flying into the booth at a high rate of speed. Almost hits Frank in the head. <laughs> and and it and it was it was Summer Teeth and his buddy Mullet. Yes. And I I thought Jeff was gonna when we found out Jeff was oh, we had to hold him out back from jumping down out of the booth. And uh, now I'll say this: the uh, press box atten- uh, press box attendant was outstanding in, mm-hmm. in Cleveland. She came in, she heard about it. We didn't say it. someone must have told them. And she came in. Oh, Dave told them. Yeah, Dave DeCandis. Um, Dave DeCandis, our producer, runs the show in the uh, every game. Uh, and they came and took pictures. And about ten minutes later, um, that uh, Summer Teeth and uh, his buddy were no longer so, uh, sitting in the Summer uh, and Mullet were gone. They were gone. <laughs> Wow. They were removed from the stadium. But here, and then here, it was that, Jeff was great though. He, he, Jeff got extra gear; just he was ready to go. Oh, I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the problem was is that once that uh, Summer Teeth and and Mullet, Mullet left, okay, now his buddies are all mad. Yeah. Okay, because they got tossed, but they didn't realize what they had done about yeah. throwing the beer can. Okay, at a high rate of speed. What if they just soft tossed it up there? Would that have made a difference? So I, I was inviting them to come on in and to join us in the booth. We had plenty of room, okay, because it would have been a much better situation for me having the higher ground. Yeah. <laughs> right, I was going to say, that was one of the reasons why. Sure. It was interesting, though. Uh, but back to Jeff's point, very hostile And here's, here's the worst part. Okay, I got you know. There's a there's a glass wall to my right. Yeah. Okay, I'm the I'm in the far right side of the booth. Okay. He was Frank's good. on the far left side. Paselli's in between us, and Frank's got a, a closed wall by him because the Browns coaches are in the next booth. Yeah. Okay, and the booth to the our right, which has this glass wall, it's a fandom. Okay, so yeah, you've just, got suites yeah. uh-huh. that have open seating outside. There's this ten year old kid mocking Jeff. That's sitting there giving me the loser sign. It was great. It was through great. the glass the I, whole game. I enjoyed every second of it, frankly. <laughs> and he's pounding on the glass. Like he's a hockey game. And I'm going, and I look at his dad, and I was like, was you really are allowing yes. your 10-year-old kid I loved it. to show a total lack of respect Zero for others. Zero respect, but it was outstanding. And, I, and JP, I, I, I almost did it, but I didn't. Yes. I wanted to reach because you can. Our, our booth is open and he was open. I was going to reach around the post and just grab him Snatch one time. Him. Just to, you know, to, to, to shock him a little bit. Uh huh. I was like, nah, better not. Yeah, it would have been, been a two man booth probably well, after that for a while. Yeah, um, it, it might have been. And, yeah. But uh, the, the kid was great. And, you know, the banner back and forth with him was fine. But uh, Summer Teeth and. And mullet, yeah, it was uh, it was nice knowing them, and it was it was nice talking to the rest of the guys after they got tossed, because it was a very pleasant conversation. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. We are live at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra, ten ten XL AM, Jaguars dot com, Jaguars YouTube. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports Senior Writer. Let's give it a try again. Pete, are you with us now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, yes. we have you yeah, at okay. long last. How are you? Good. By the way, what is Lagerman doing in my in my in this, that seat? He's not part of this show. This isn't a fishing show. I don't have to hear him talking about going to his property and hunting and stuff. I don't need that. Yeah, I see. Pete's a big fan of the show. Yes, he listens to the outdoor show every. I do too. Yeah. I listen to the outdoor I have it on show. Um, Pete, because you were not available the first hour, and we figured we bring in. Uh, we're in Ponte Vedra at Mr. Chubby's. I live right down the street. Jeff lives right down the street. So Jeff's like, hey, it's a home game. I'll come join you. 
Nice. And Pete, I mean, look, look. The more the merrier to talk about that misery. Talk about that misery. Free wings too, Pete. Why not? We got wings here for you, Pete. Standing, by the way. They are good. They're very good. Every Monday they bring it to our production crew uh, at the Miller Electric Center, and now we came to them here at uh, Mr. Chubby. Well, and they also provide food at halftime for us during the games. Oh, that's big. So, all right, let's let we're we're avoiding the situation, Pete. We want to open the floor for a few minutes for you here. What the hell happened yesterday? Well, let's be real. you got to give the cre- quarterback credit for playing, uh, but he was not very good at moments. But I think there were other issues at play, including, you know, wide receiver running the wrong route, uh, which Calvin Ridley clearly did. There was miscommunication there. Uh, I think that, you know, defensively, they can't get to the quarterback. I mean, if Josh Allen doesn't get there, nobody's getting there. Then that's two weeks in a row you made Jake Browning and Joe Flacco, two backups, one almost 140 years old, uh, shred you, throwing the football. There were way too many busts. And, and I tried to go through, and you guys might be able to – I watched the tape on the way home today from Kansas City. The busts in the secondary, I attribute number one to Rayshon Jenkins, number two to a Khan, and number three, I was trying to get an idea who that was. It was either Darius Williams or Rayshon Jenkins – I couldn't tr- quite figure that one out. But my gosh, you talk about guys running wide open, that can't happen. And so you combine it all together, and it was not a very good day uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars in Cleveland. So I'll let Jeff, uh, because we talked about those busts on defense, and, and I agree with you. The worst part of that game for me is that really you beat yourself at the end of the day. Now, there's certain things that, Give Cleveland credit. They were more fizzled at the line of scrimmage than we were. Um, they did, you know, some good things. But you take away three busts on defense, that's a completely different game. And I'll, I'll let Jeff, because we talked about who's who we think. I mean, we're, we're making some assumptions based on what we know about the defense and how they play. Um, so I'll let Jeff kind of go through each of those and kind of what we, he saw on tape. All right, so uh, so the first one, Pete, which was uh, third and one, and essentially the Browns are in a goal line personnel grouping. The Jaguars match with a goal line defensive grouping, and they're bringing pressure off the outside edges. And when you do that, a lot of times you ask a defensive end or a linebacker to play man on a tight end. And it looked like from watching it that Trayvon was in man coverage on Najoku. And in order to do that, a lot of people say, well, how can you ask a guy like Trayvon to do that? Well, you beat him up at the line of scrimmage to where he can't release, and you expect him to be able to run with Njoku because Njoku is not a guy that has blazing speed. I think it was on Trayvon with that one. The second one to Njoku, I think it was Foyer got too aggressive on a run read and then got caught. And then he couldn't end up backing out and, and covering ground. And Devin Lloyd never even moved. He, he didn't buy the run fake. He was pointing in the direction of where the tight end was going. And Foyer was just so fast going downhill. And now the last one, which was the uh, completion to the Bell, Bell guy? Yeah, yeah, Bell. Bell. yeah Bell. Bell. David Bell. Okay. Yeah, Bell. David when, Bell. When they started out, uh, the wide receiver, one of the wide receivers was out wide. And you're, you're in man coverage. And when the motion comes in, you're essentially playing an in and out. So you're playing man, but you're saying, okay, if one guy goes in, I got him. Another guy stays to the outside, I got him. A little confusion there between Darius and Rayshon because they both went to cover the same guy. And then when Darius realized that they both were going to the same guy and that he 
in my opinion, he was supposed to be on the outside guy, and he realized that. He plants his foot, slips, goes down to the yep. ground, and by then it's too late. So that one is yeah. just mis- miscommunication. Yeah, that, but it, the bottom you can line, play that two different ways, right, Jeff? You can play that two different ways. You either go in and out or you just play it straight and, and let the in guy go to Jenkins and, and he stays with the outside guy. I mean, that you could do that too. But you yeah, think, you you think Darren and say, okay, we're, we're staying. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you can play cat coverage. Which I, say, I got right. that cat. It doesn't matter what they do. Right. Okay, right. but then you can also play, okay, I got the guy that goes in. You got the guy that goes out. Banjo, right? And that was, yeah, that's but, called, yeah. yeah, but Pete, to your point, though, I mean, you look at this game, and I've said, I said it since the game yesterday, the Jaguars beat themselves with missed assignments, blown coverages, which is missed assignments, turnovers, and stupid penalties. It wasn't like they were, you know, the big fear going into the game is, is Miles Garrett in the, you know, just going to take over Can the game? Can they block him? Can right. they block him? It's yeah. going to be just a complete mess because of the injuries offensive line. Well, for the most part, it was not. And they, Trevor had time to operate. Now, they still can't run the ball, and we talked about that already. I mean, it's like they can't run between the tackles. They physically can't do it. But as far as overall, if you don't have the missed assignments, in, you know, including blown coverages, a lot of those missed assignments led to turnovers or touchdowns. That's a completely different game. But can't you say that every week, Tony? I mean, you really can. If you if you play your assignment football, you're gonna you're gonna not gonna make those mistakes. And I think they do. I mean, they've been doing. And you know what else is getting worse? By the way, the tackling in the secondary is getting worse. Yes. I mean, that, that's too bad turn back there. That's a couple weeks in a row. There's been a lot of poor tackling back there. You know, I, I want to say a couple things real quick. I thought Antonio Johnson added some speed to that defense. They might need to get him on the field more, don't you think? I mean, he, he made a couple plays. We talked about yeah. on the tape a little bit. I think he's a guy that you need to get on the field. And then Jeff's, the a, Jeff's a big fan of Antonio Johnson too. What do you hope for two more? <laughs> hey, look, hold, let's hold that thought. We'll come back and keep it real with your thoughts yeah, and some of the decisions at the end. Pete, we want to talk about the two, going for two, and would you have punted or gone for it in fourth and seven with 348 left? Hold that thought. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XLAM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube, J.P. Shadrick, Tony Vaselli, Jeff Blogman at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach, and Pete Prisco with us. We'll keep it real when we come back on Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. I think it was fourth and ten, yes, but fourth and three um, is a better a better chance percentages to, to pick up the first down. So it was another one that we decided to go for and got it. Head coach Doug Peterson after the game yesterday. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. We are live at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach on A1A. Hope you'll join us here until 6 o'clock. J.P. Shadrick, Hall of Famer Tony Baselli, Jeff Lagerman here, and Pete Prisco with us on the line as always. And it's time now for Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients award-winning line by Robert Mondavi and we have questions about some of the decisions toward the end of the game and let's start with the Jaguars with just about four minutes to go 334 to play Jaguars are facing fourth and three from their own 38-yard line they had to burn a timeout before the fourth down play they decide to go for it 
Lawrence throws incomplete short right to Zay Jones. They turn it over on downs. The Browns get one yard on the ensuing drive, three plays, and kick a 55-yard field goal to go up 10. Pete? So, hold on. Before we go to Pete, so it was only fourth and three. I thought it was like five five and six. Okay, so I was wrong. It was fourth and three. I don't change my opinion, but fourth and three. So, Pete, you go first. All right. Me? I think it was uh, fourth and stupidity. I mean, you got to punt it. You have to punt the football because here's why. If you don't get it, which they didn't, you're automatically giving them a a field goal that puts the game essentially out of reach. If you punt them in, let's just say flip it forward. You punt them back, and you do the, have the same exact situation where you limit them to one yard, then you're going to get the football back, and you're going to have a chance to go tie the game, or maybe Doug Peterson would go for two and try and win the game. So I, I think I, I didn't like the decision. I, I would have I punted the football right there, and, and I think you guys probably agree with me. Well, and I think you're, you're assuming, Pete, that you're going to get a stop. And also assuming that you're going to get good field position after the stop, but that happened earlier in the game, and the guy that punts for the Cleveland Browns kicked the 75-yard punt, and he didn't get good field position. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm against you guys a little bit here on this, and then I'm okay with it, fourth and three, with a good quarterback and one of the best tight ends in football. I just wish he had been the primary. Yeah, I guess I understand why Doug went for it, but I just I still disagree with it. And I let me correct myself because I said earlier in the show it was like fourth or six or fourth and six or seven. I, it doesn't change my perspective whether it's fourth six, uh, fourth and six, you and four, still seven, punted it. or fourth and three. I'm still punting it because if you don't get it because of their kicker, you're basically the game's ending. Well, because me, especially me... because especially with. The onside rules now, the chances of getting an onside kick are so low. And and you got – I mean, at some point, you keep your timeouts for a reason. And you – like, punting's part of the game. Punt it deep, get a three and out, even if he booms another one, Jeff, to your point. Yeah. You're going to get the ball at your 20, 15 or 20, with over two minutes left because you used all three yep. timeouts. And that's an right. eternity. To go well, score a touchdown. Do, and Tony, two minutes? If you, don't, if you don't blow the timeout, if you make the decision right away, you have three timeouts and a two-minute warning. And, and, no, I, I would never even – yeah, I would just take a delay right, of game there. the punt team I, out, punt it. Get before the third down play, you say, if we don't get it, we're going to punt, and then we're going to go play there. So you don't have to use the, the other timeout. And so, uh, by the way, move over, Baselli. There's a new company man in town in, on the set there. It's, it's Jeff Lagerman. He just took over your place. He's defending <laughs> the team. He's defending. No, but, but – but Pete, I, I mean, now look, Pete. If it had been fourth and six or seven or eight, I, I would have, I would think completely Jeff, differently about it. But fourth and three, and it, here's the problem, Pete, because the Jaguars' defense this year has not done a great job. When they needed to give the ball back to the offense this year, they haven't done the job in that category. Yeah, and so, I guess yeah, my my problem yeah, with it, the, I just think you, Tony, hold on, Pete, I what? Tony, the game's over. You don't get yeah, because if you don't get it, the game's the game's over with three minutes left in the game. It's over. Now, here's the other decision. Hold late on, in the hold game. on. Before I want to finish this one okay. real quick because it, like, that's what this guy, their kicker, had not missed over fifty all year. And so, if you don't pick it up, you are ending the game. And I think you try to extend the game and give yourself as many chances as you possibly can. And just be, let's let's go back. Let's say you get fourth and three. You still have 60 yards to go. Right, right. To do anything, it's not like you're going for it at the 50, at the at the plus 45, right. where if you don't get it, you can still get a three and out. Like yeah. I would be all for that. 
My problem was if you don't get it, you end the game if they make the field goal. You know who you really miss in that situation? Christian Kirk. Oh, gosh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. You could say that um, yeah, yeah, for the next few weeks for sure. Hey, the other decision, the other decision that, uh, as we're keeping it real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi, the Jaguars score a touchdown, 137 to go. Lawrence to Ingram, a two-yarder. And so they're down four and decide to go for two and make it a two-point game. Instead, they missed it. It was still a four-point game, still needing the onside kick. Pete, what do you think? That was that makes no sense whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. You cannot defend that. Doug Peterson cannot defend that. What's the point of it? Oh, we're going to go win it? We still got to get the onside kick and go get the field goal anyways. If you, you, you eliminate by not getting that, you eliminated the, the, the chance to go get a field goal to send the game to overtime. It made no sense to me. None. I will never. And look, they can pull out their analytics book all they want. There's no defense of that at all. You, you, you definitely kick the extra point, and then you hope you get the onside kick and go to overtime. So hold on real quick, just so I can prove to Pete <laughs> that I'm not a company man. I agree with you, Pete. There you so, go, Jeff. I like it. I like it. There you go. Pete, Pete, I I agree. I would not have gone for it. But the, it, it bothers me less than the one, the not punting it on fourth and three with three timeouts. Because, because the reality the is. Game already. Well, my point is, I mean, because getting it onside is such low probability in today's NFL. But let's just say you get the onside. Whether you made that two-point or conversion or not, you still had a minute 44 left. Right. It wasn't like 10 seconds. It wasn't like 10 yeah, seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. left. Yeah. And so you can score a touchdown. You can still score a touchdown and win it. I did, I still I'm with you. I wouldn't have done it, but it doesn't bother me as much because the biggest risk is getting the onside. And right. so okay, like that like that one didn't bother me. I did not like fourth and three three timeouts against Let's call it – I mean, you talked about the defense not doing great in those situations. Take away those three explosives, which I always hate when defensive coordinators do this, except for these three plays. We were really good. (laughs) But take away those three explosives. The Browns averaged under three yards yards of rush as well. It was 2.9. And so it wasn't like they were gashing you on the ground. It was broke – it was bad coverage – that would killed you that day. The, the other, remember, the other seven they got to get to 28 was when Parker Washington fumbled on the 20, and they only right. had to go 20 yards. So it wasn't like this was a Cleveland team just marching up and down the field. It was poor coverage, poor execution, and turnovers mm-hmm. that led to those points, which is another reason I would have kicked it deep and played defense. All right, yeah. there you have and it. That's keeping real it real. Presented by. <laughs> Yes, quick, please. Back to the yes. Tony, you made a good point. Whether you got the two-point play or not, the, the onside kick was in play. That, you know, so what's yeah. the difference? Why not just why not keep your hopes up that maybe you have a chance? I didn't get that at all. That one was strange. It didn't bother me as much, but I'm with you, Pete. I would have, I would have just kicked the next point. Logs, that's how we do Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients Award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. We're the, back. Re- the rest of the way, we can fake it now because that's the, over. It, the real part is over. Real's over. It's all fake from here, yes. including <laughs> Fanatics fan questions. Those are next. This Jaguars Happy Hour, live from Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach.
pretty good, um, all things considered, you know. So that was a that was a positive out of today. I guess that's about the only one. But um, yeah, you know, I didn't didn't you know re-injure my ankle and didn't tweak it or anything. Um, felt pretty good. It held up. I was able to move when needed. Um, so yeah, it was it was good. That's the quarterback, of course, Trevor Lawrence, playing on a high ankle sprain yesterday in Cleveland. And welcome back. It is Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, Tony Vaselli, Jeff Logman from Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra Beach. Pete Prisco on the line with us after Jaguars loss in Cleveland to the Browns, 31-27. We've got Chubby-style wings here. They're outstanding. Uh, Jason Dean has loaded tots, it looks like. Just what you great. need, Jason, just what you need. Dave, Dave didn't get anything? No. Oh, he's okay, it's on the way. It's en route. Okay. And, he, and the he, same for- he ordered two entrees. Oh, wow. Aggressive. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, that's really? what he did. Aggressive. Wow. Too well, I mean, yeah. aggressive. I mean, you, wow. you, you see him at halftime when he does it, Mr. Chubby. Oh, speak of the devil. Here are the both hunt, and here they are. The wings. Two extra at, wings. Good. Two Good. orders of wings. Just Imagine you, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave did not want one. He wanted two. Can I get 20 wings? Here, let's go. Evidence. Evidence. Let me see real quick. Come oh, on, boy. Dave. Come on, we're proving this. Yeah. Okay. Brent, Brent Reber's over here as well. He might take some hey, of them. You see that, folks? There's another plate over there, and Dave was trying to take both, and now he's trying to pass it off so it doesn't look like that he's being, you know, a glutton uh, with all those, the wings. Put those too close to the side. He's like one of those birds coming in. No, like, I'm swoop good. it in. Good, good. I'm stealing those Self-control. wings. Self-control. It's hard with these wings. They're really, really good. They're the, whatever rub they put on these things. It's secret chubby style. Yeah, well, pass it over to me. I want one of those. They're, well, and, and Pete, they're good ones because they're not uh they're nice crispy they're like they're not greasy there's no grease no. to them i don't think nope. like, there's and they're not fatty greasy yeah. they're really good and wings. they're big wings they're oh massive. outstanding yeah love that hey um time now for the fanatics fan questions jags fans gear up at fanatics.com with all latest jag styles shop now and get today's special offer fanatics.com officially licensed everything we always put the cat signal out on twitter and uh, we always kind of pick the best ones of the day. And I was called out before the show yes, by a fan yeah, saying that I never pick his question, ever. Well, oh, I thought you – did you see that where you were called out by ruining the last two weeks because of the triple lock? Yeah, that's a different story altogether. However, um, at Segundo's dad has the first question tonight, and he's here tonight. So thanks for coming up and calling us out. We appreciate it. It's a good question. Individually, the offensive line is a collection of solid players. Collectively, they aren't getting it done. Is there an explanation why the Jags can't run between the tackles and keep a clean pocket? Well, well wait, oh, wait a minute. The, cl- the pocket. Don't point at me. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to let you. You pointed at you. Offensive you... lineman. He pointed no. at you, and then he started to answer the question. I was pointing to you because we talk about it all the time. And we're on the we same, do. We're on the same page. Um, I disagree with the clean pocket. Now, they hit him about 12 times yesterday. They did. That's a good unit. But until yesterday, it wasn't like the Bengals were all over him. It wasn't like the Texans were all over him. It wasn't like whoever we played before that. I mean, so I'm not sure it's fair to say the protection has been bad for the last seven or eight games. Okay. Um, the run game I agree with. Mm-hmm. That's a good unit. And like, Now, he got hit too much, and there was a couple times just unnecessary. whacked. Unnecessary. Hits. Whacked. In my opinion, but and, just, and a couple times because an offensive lineman just didn't even finish. Just finish the play. Just finish the block. You got him. Finish. I mean, that, that's not asking something that's superhuman. Finish the block. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> the old saying: play to the whistle. Play you, to the echo. You of play the whistle. to the whistle. I'm trying to do my best. Yes. Very well done. Herm Edwards imitation. Thanks a lot. Yeah. 
Uh, Pete, what do you think about all this on the O-line? Well, let's talk about the run game before we go to Pete. Okay. Uh, you want to take the first shot? You want me to? No, you go ahead. You start it off. They do not move people. They are not a physical, downhill, displace people type of offensive line. Um, they are out of a two-point most of the time. You have a center who is a tall guy but plays with high pad level and doesn't isn't physical. Isn't physical at the line of scrimmage. Isn't physical getting up to the next level. Um, I think that the I think Brandon Sheriff is you know he's an older player. He's had some lower body injuries. I don't think he has the power right now to move. He's he, is he smart? Is he in the right place? Absolutely. Is he a good puller? But as far as just being physical and move people, and so you look. We have an offense that's very horizontal, very position block, looking for an angle and pull guys and try to get outside and try to fabricate um, run lanes. It's not it's not a physical group, and when you're not a physical group as the as the season goes on, people start understanding what you're trying to do and defend it and play against a good unit like Cleveland. They're gonna shut it down. But the reality is, it's not just good units who shut us down. We've been shut down the last seven weeks. I'll, I'll be real brief and let let Pete yeah, talk here, yeah, but yeah. My, just a quick comment. This is a pass first offense, and when you're a pass first offense, sometimes it's it's hard to get that mindset. Okay, now we need to be physical. Okay, and so that makes it difficult, but you still have to be able to do it. Yeah, but when we look at the Eagles and the way they play, and they they move their center and get them on the move and everything else, they play physical. Um, They didn't last night, but they usually do. I think part of the the biggest part of the problem with running the football is the center. He's not big. I mean, he's not physical. You mentioned it, Tony. He plays too high. He gets immediate, immediately he's up and he's getting pushed. And when you can't get any push, that's a problem. Sheriff was terrible last week. He was, he was a little bit better this week, I thought. You know, am I crazy to think that there's a possibility they can make a change at center and put Shatley in there if you want to really try and improve the run game or, or something? Because they're not running the ball at all. And Tony's right. It's a, it's a, it's a pull and pot. You know, they pin and pull, you know, offense. There's angles and get to the second level. And they just don't do a good enough job of it. I, I don't know what the answer is, but they don't have enough bodies now to try and make any decisions, do they? I mean, think about it. Who's going to start this week at, at left tackle? Will Walker Little be back? Uh, there's question. He's questionable. It's a possibility. Yeah. So if he's not back, Blake so can't start, right? Well, there's, there's a possibility a, Ezra Cleveland could be Ezra's, back too. Ezra's day to day too. All right, let me chime in right here because I'm a big believer, and Tony, you've heard me say this for many years. I'm not a big fan of when you have an injury that you make two position changes because of one injury. So I I, I would have been a bigger fan of okay, leave Ezra Cleveland at left guard and then put Blake Hansen at left tackle because it's a position that you're already going to help a ton with anyway. And uh, because I think that continuity is key there. Uh, and because also, and we haven't mentioned this yet, if you have, let's say, Blake Hansen at left tackle, you help him with the tight end, and then you got to get the running backs to do a better job with the chips than what they did in this past game. Maybe the worst I've seen. It was not good. Mm. Wow. Terrible. <laughs> it was unreal. Pete, so Pete. Pete, how many times do you remember, and one of the best ever in the history of the league, because I felt it, was Eric Bieniemy. okay? When he used to do a chip, okay, I'm talking, he had a crosshair on ribs, and he was looking to break them. Fred Taylor, 
was awesome at it. Maurice, 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 Frank good at it. Maurice, Jones Maurice was arguably the best in Jaguars history. We remember Sean Merriman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, okay. still, he's still feeling that. Yeah. What we saw yesterday was not good. It was the exact opposite of what you just described. It's terrible. But it's terrible. Going back to the offense line in general is, and Pete, you asked, do you put Shatley at center? I don't know what you do, but there is. It's. I think it impacts how they're calling plays. I and I agree, Jeff. They're a pass-first offense, no doubt about that. But not to to the not to the level of 57 called passes and 17 called runs in a game. But I don't think they have any confidence to run through in between the tackles because it's not just that we play very horizontal, very high. We're not physical. We don't finish. We don't stay on blocks. We don't even get to the next level and finish blocks that allow that next level run to break. There's a lot of watching going on. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Let's move along to the next exactly. question. Let's get a couple more in here, guys. At SS Bay underscore Z. Why does it seem like when a team uses motion or misdirection on offense, our defense looks so confused, which leads to wide open receivers. Even the fourth and three, the Browns score to go up 28, 14 was a blown coverage. Jeff. You're the defensive expert. Well, I mean, here, here's the thing. The motion, I think, that he's referring to, which is very observant, is the one that went to Bell, yep. the wide receiver. Yep. And when you have motions, you can have the cha- a change of responsibility. And with the motions, there's got to be communications as soon as that motion starts. And in the case of the long touchdown to Bell, there wasn't even so much as a glance with Darius Williams and Rayshon Jenkins at that time, nor before the play. And you got to be able to communicate. So everybody's on the same page, so you don't have any holes. And so, yeah, that's something that you don't want to see. Yes, it's been a problem before with this defense, and they've got to get that corrected. And it's just a simple matter of talking when the huddle breaks, when the formation is set, and then as quickly as you can when something changes with emotion. And clearly the Jaguars did not do a good job with it, especially on that specific play on the touchdown about. Mm. It's a lot, Pete. Yeah, really. Simon mean, football. It, it, communication. Like says, if you take away the three busts, they've probably played well on defense, but everybody can say that in every game in this league nowadays. You always have a couple plays like that. My concern is where the hell, other than Josh Allen, is the pass rush? Seriously. Where is it? It's not existent. It's not there. It's and you, okay, a couple of those plays, you know, Flacco stood back there and I think he threw a rifle shot to the right sideline on one play. He stood back there for 20 minutes. It seemed like they the pass rush is non-existent. They they and the whole Trayvon Walker again. We're going to pile on a little bit. He had one pressure where I think he came off the edge. He beat a guy. Those are backup tackles they're working against. They're not starters. Um. Yeah. I mean. I'm not going to argue with that because I, in the last couple of weeks, you go back to the uh, to, I mean, to, yes. the, to the Texans game, and I, I didn't think Trayvon played very well. Uh, the Bengals game came out very early in the ball game, and uh, the right tackle from Alabama, JP, give me a name. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, 73. He, 73. Oh, Jonah Williams. Early Jonah in the Williams. game. Jonah Williams. Thank, thank, thank you, you, Pete. And he literally centers Jonah Williams and hits him and knocks him on his can like two yards back. And I'm like, all right, okay, establishing power. Now, after you establish power and you put the fear of God in the guy, 
Now you counter off of that. You don't go back to power? And it didn't happen. Mm. Well, he goes well, to uh, – and that's uh, the thing, Jeff. You're right. He goes to power early in the game, and then they all figure it out. That's all it's going to be is power. Tony, if you knew you had a guy that yeah, was on nothing but power, what do you do? I mean, he just uh, – first of all, I'd short set him every time, and that's what Cleveland did, and it was, he was – for the most part, ineffective. The backup tackle, for the most part, every time he short-setted them, it was, it was over. Yeah, 66, I can't remember yep. uh, his name. James because Hudson, the rookie Hudson. Yeah, Hudson, thank you. The rookie was out with a, with a knee injury, the uh, fourth-round pick tackle out of Ohio State, who, by the way, is a good football player. DeJuan and a Jones, mammoth yeah, of he's a he's having, he's, yeah. yeah, he's having surgery. He's done for the year, though. They, they announced that today. Uh, what what do you have? A knee. knee. Some, yeah. And, and that Hudson, by the uh, way, has had moments during the, his time playing where he's looked awful. I just want to put that out there. And he and he held more than held his own against Trayvon Walker. And again, it's not working. They they can t- talk to their blue in the face. He's a good football player. He's a tough kid. He plays the run well. He's a physical guy. He does he does all that. He's not a pass rusher, and you drafted him to be a pass rusher. Uh, one more question on Fanatics Fan Questions at JBS Inslee. Thoughts on the offensive offside call in the Bills-Chiefs game? I thought the Chiefs showed lack of responsibility and poor sportsmanship after the game. Pete, yeah. I'll let you go first. You're the national guy. I got my opinions on it. You were yeah, there, and I was, at, I was at that game Sunday. And, uh, I, I, look, we saw it right away. He was lined up offsides. There's no doubt about it. He, they, they act like he pointed down. He just pointed. He never got a you know, confirmation from the official. But he had done it the entire game. And so for the Chiefs to handle it the way they did, I thought it was terrible. And for Patrick Mahomes to walk over when Josh Allen's coming over to say something to him after the game and to bring that up, I I thought that was out of character and it was out of line. I thought it was ridiculous. Pete, how much of that is just the frustrations boiling over of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes knowing that they don't have the offense that they've had in the past that they really got to think, they got to think about how they play football because they're, they're really a defensive first team now. No doubt about it. They're not scoring points. I mean, any, that Buffalo defense has so many guys missing and they couldn't score points. It's a problem. And by the way, anybody who's going to finish in the second spot in the AFC, you do not want to play the Buffalo bills. I'm telling you, the offense has come alive. Uh, they can score next week. You'll see it. They play Dallas and, and you do not of all the teams that are possibly going to be in the playoffs, Jake Browning, Gardner Minshew, uh, the Broncos, maybe the Texans. You'd much rather play all of those teams than Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Well, well, I, Pete, I, well the good news is we're fourth now, so we're in a safe spot. <laughs> and, I, and I will say there, there might have been a little frustration boiling over. Isn't that the third time that Buffalo's gone to Kansas City and beaten beaten them? No. Uh, last year they did. No, yeah, they beat him yeah, last year. They beat him like last three, year, the but third then they time. lost him in that playoff game. Remember, that was a couple years ago. Right. I thought it was three times that they have beaten them I, in in Kansas City. All right, those are the Fanatics fan questions. Did you get to the guy that you blew off for all this all year? Yeah, that was the first question. Okay, good for you. Yeah, because he came up and was E-man. like, why don't you answer my questions? Well, like, Pete, okay. we started the show of me reprimanding JP for triple locking and ruining the, la- the, the two I mean, it's all over. Everybody's every- Nobody wants him any part of our locks anymore. You're out, JP. You did well, it. Uh, I am, I've already said I'm out. I didn't need you to tell me I'm out. <laughs> I knew that from the jump. I'm back in a moment, and we'll go around the league and pick Monday Night Football. And grab your hats. Get ready for George Strait with Chris Stapleton and Little Big Town, May 11th, 2024. Tickets on sale now, everbankstadium.com. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, live from Mr. Chubby's Wings.
happen. Uh, we were in position, we were in many positions to, to, to tie the game and then take over the game. We didn't do it. So, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of roll with the punches sometimes, but finish in the end. Um, we had multiple opportunities and just didn't get it done. Evan Ingram, Jaguars tight end, 12 targets, 11 catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns in the loss yesterday in Cleveland. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour from Mr. Chubby's Wings in Pontevedra, J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli, Jeff Logman on location, Pete Prisco, of course, with us. And for 10 years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jags. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all the available inventory. And go Jags. How about uh, Evan Ingram? He's on pace for over 100 catches this year. He's the unbelievable. Oh, oh, way more than 100 That's catches. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Un- He's got 84 right now. Unreal. Now, not huge yards for, per catch. Uh, probably won't get to 1,000 yards, but. He is 11th in the league now in receptions. And out of the top 20 receivers in receptions in the National Football League, he has the highest catch percentage, which is impressive. And remember coming in. From the Giants, the book on him is that he had the drops. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, I mean, I know we got to get the rest of the league, but real quick thing on Evan. If you have it, and maybe some of our fans already know this, but I don't think there's a harder worker no. in the organization right now than Evan Ingram. No. Of, of like, I mean, I'm not, I don't know how much film he watches. I think a lot. And a lot of guys are, are work, their work ethic's great on this team. But this is a guy before, after practice, before the game, is working on his craft constantly, and it's paying off. He's having a great year. One of the great acquisitions in Jaguars history and free agency. And I remember, I don't want to bring up the past, but you and I arguing because I was a big fan of that signing. You're like, I don't know. He struggled in New York. The the Ah." one thing that I wish with Evan, I wish more defenses treated him like a true tight end well the problem they because can't, they don't and they can't and part of it is because i mean evan is not an inline tight end that's going to dominate a defensive end i mean he's not george kittle george kittle right is a like an offensive tackle blocking and if you and have that you get a little bit more favorable matchup matchups. in the passing he game. gets a lot of corner looks he gets dbs, DBs all the time yeah so it's not as big as a matchup difference Let's take a quick look around the NFL. Let's start off, though, with the AFC playoff chase going into tonight. The Ravens, the number one seed currently. The Dolphins play tonight on Monday Night Football. They're the number two. If they win tonight, they'd be back at number one. Chiefs, Jaguars, three and four. Then the Browns at five in the wild card race. Then there are, what, six teams, Pete, that are seven and six in the AFC. This thing is going to go down to the wire. Yeah, and if you look at the schedules, you know, some teams have are going to end up playing each A lot of those teams play each other. Um, you know, like you look at the Bengals play a bunch of those teams and, you know, the Texans yeah. uh, play the Colts at the end of the year. So so I think it's going to play out. But I, if Buffalo beats Dallas this week, they have two winnable games and then their final game of the season will be at Miami. And the question becomes, will Miami need it? They probably will, but you never know. So I, I think Buffalo wins this week against Dallas. They're going to get in. They're going to be the seventh seed. And again, you don't want to play them. You know, the Texan situation is interesting. They, they, they had lost that game, and they were terrible. C.J. Stroud was awful against the Jets on Sunday before he got hurt, and now it's even more of a problem. <laughs> Behind the scenes here, <laughs> sign language. I, you know. I thought someone's going to have a yeah. seizure here. I don't know. Uh, all I know, it's Monday Night Football. It's two for the price of one. We start in South Florida, where Tua Tungabailoa, Tyreek Hill, and the 9-3 and three Miami Dolphins look to stay at the top of the AFC. They entertain the 4-8 and eight Tennessee Titans, plus the 6-6 six and six Green Bay Packers with Jordan Love playing well. 
Visit the 4-8 New York football giants. Who you got in both, Tony? Wow, you nailed it. I mean, after three weeks ago, completely flubbing everything, you're on a streak and you had back-to-back. I give you credit, JP. I'm not locking either one. No, you're not allowed to lock anything. I mean, I think the Dolphins boat race the uh, Titans, and I think Green Bay is – Man, that's the youngest team in the NFL. Give Matt LaFleur a ton of credit in that young roster. They're doing a good job. And Jordan Love starting, I mean, watching him last week on Monday Night Football, it's like, my goodness, this guy's not bad. Fox? Is it my turn yeah, now? Yeah, go ahead. I'm taking Miami. Okay. I mean, I mean it's, no, that's an easy one. The Titans just can't get, <laughs> they can't keep pace with that no. speed. And who's Green Bay playing? Uh, Giants. Because I got so distracted by your energy. <laughs> hey, you like it? Come on. <laughs> I mean, you really think I'm going to pick the Giants? We can do that on Thursdays if you want. I mean, you really going to pick the Giants? I mean, is the kid that's still staying at home with his mom He's making the his bed oh, every night? Is he playing the night? Right. Tommy DeVito. Can't do that. Come on. Look, look, I'm not I'm not picking a quarterback, Pete, okay, that still ends up having his mom make his bed on a daily basis. Who you got, Pete? Sorry. Hey, Tebow's dad was on the practice field every day in Florida. He won a Heisman trophy, so he's got that going for him. Didn't work for him in the NFL though, Pete. Yeah, we're talking about the NFL. I got the I got the Dolphins and I think the Giants will hang around, but I think Green Bay wins the game again. I I think it's gonna be a little closer uh, than expected. Green Bay, keep an eye on them. They are going to make the postseason. Ooh, that's a call. Is that a lock? We're not locking this week. We're taking a break off. No locks. No locks this week. No locks this week. I am the king of the locks, and I am saying no locks. I am not, Pete. This is how we do Monday's logs. Thanks for coming out, man. Hey, thanks yeah, for Yeah, thanks me. for joining us. Thanks for the free food. That's Jeff Lagerman. Boy, it's on me. I got you. Yeah, you got me. I got you. Okay. Pete Briscoe, Tony Maselli covered it all. Our entire crew here and back at the stadium. Thanks for coming out to Mr. Chubby's Wings. This is Jaguars Happy Hour.